Hello and welcome everyone. I am Kale Fleggy and this is the Made in Gainesville podcast. On this show, you'll hear stories and get insights from business owners and leaders from across the nation that have ties to Gainesville. This week, we'll hear from Ken Hesser. Ken is an attorney that specializes in bankruptcy and employment law. Ken has a near photographic memory and has an incredible ability to retain tons of information. I'll test him on this ability with 35 years of WrestleMania statistics and talk to him about profiting on this ability by winning $65,000 on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back when he was in law school. Ken has a huge interest in politics, so we'll also discuss his moderate conservative views as well as Nordic socialism. Finally, we'll discuss the possibility that we're all living in a simulation. Enjoy. said you hosted a podcast before yeah i did uh back in 2000 maybe 2008 i did a i did something called the Profcast, which was a very lame name but i was trying to come up with something original i used to be called the professor when i was in high school so it was kind of a play off of that and i just started interviewing various people about i don't know friends about pop culture issues some news stuff a little bit of wrestling. Uh, that was my first yeah. thought. This was a wrestling podcast. Yes, so that's what we did. I mean, we we just I, I had some friends of mine that had various interests, and we just brought them in and chatted for an hour, hour and a half. It was terrible because I didn't really know how to use the stuff. I didn't have any professional equipment. I would call people on a phone. I don't line. either. Yeah. Well, this is ten times better than what I so have. Thirty five dollars worth of microphones here. <laughs> I would get I would get up on a Sunday. You know, go to church or something like that, come back, and then we'd just sit there and ring up somebody, and we would just chat for an hour. And I tried to do an intro and outro and bumper music, but it wasn't very good. And the problem with a lot of these podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts, the levels um, on many of these are terrible. Like, you'll have a guy interviewing, even nowadays, when the, when the technology is much better, you'll have a guy interviewing, and he'll be, like, real soft, and then the guy he's interviewing on the other line is real loud, and it's terrible if you're listening in the car because... Suddenly, you're just kind of sitting there, and suddenly you hear this, and it's it's a problem. So I did it for maybe a few months, and then just I fell. I just stopped because it was I was getting some people. People would listen to it, but it was it just became more of a, a burden. I was I was unhappy with the finished product. I think I was getting better at it, but it was not it was not really coming off too well. Right. Too much work. And that was kind of back when, well, maybe. Well, podcasts have been around for a while, but it's just interesting to see how in vogue they are now when really they're super old. I mean, I got a... They predate the iPhone, right? Like, when did podcasts first really get going? Well, I remember... I mean, it's called the podcast because of the iPod, iPod, right? yeah. When did the iPod come out? Remember? What was it? Oh, oh, three, oh, four? Four, somewhere like that. I got one. My wife got me a... Not the first gen. My brother had a first generation. It was that second generation one, which uh, had a better click wheel, Um and right after that, I got the, there was a, there was a few that I saw through the Apple podcast app. Um, so they're not, they were somewhat, they came out somewhat at the same time as the, as the iPod did. Now there were some streaming shows beforehand, like I'll bring up wrestling again, but they used to have these streaming shows online you would listen to. They were had re- they were radio adjacent, and they had some sort of video component to them. But again, they didn't have that sort of ease of download that I think the Apple Podcast app started to have back in maybe 04. 
uh, again, a lot of the first ones I listened to were all wrestling podcasts, wrestling shows. Yeah. Some of them were simply just uh, tapes of pre-existing radio shows on over-the-air stuff. Um, but I started getting really into them probably around that time, 04 and 05. I have a friend of mine out in Washington that runs one of the most popular wrestling sites in the world. Um, and he started his business back then. And he's grown to become... You know, huge, and he did. He would do daily podcasts starting in two thousand five. He used to write a newsletter. Doesn't even do that anymore. Does everything audio wise, and he's somebody that invests thousands of dollars in his equipment. He takes microphones extremely seriously, and has really invested in it over the years. Actually, turned half of his house into a studio. You know, put put in various insulation things like that on the walls, whatnot. So it's so that's all he does now. Yes. This full time, and he job. does very well. <laughs> yes. Very nice. Yeah, and it's just wrestling related. Just wrestling, yeah. A little bit of MMA, but mostly wrestling. Yeah. Gotcha. What? Uh, so, why did they call you the professor in high school? Eh, just because I tended to know a bunch of different things. I mean, I've never been a master of anything. Kind of just knew knew a fair amount about a lot of different things. So when we would have things called news quizzes when we were in high school, I used to do pretty well at them. And it was a kind of a, it just, I don't know. It just, I have a pretty good knowledge of trivia stuff, knowledge stuff. Oh, you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, right? Yeah, 2000. How'd that go? Well, we won $64,000, which was nice. And this was, this is the time when everybody watched a show. This was the classic era when you, not like now where you have all the different hosts and you have kind of all these different gimmicks with how the game is played. This was classic millionaire. Probably maybe a month or so after John Carpenter won the million dollars. So it was right when it was really, really hot. Um, put it in perspective, I think 30 million people watched my episode that night. I think the best uh, rated show right now is something like 9 million with The Big Bang Theory. And that show is far and away the most popular show on television. So it was back when people still watched TV. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And everybody watched. I mean, Regis was there. Um, it was a neat experience because what happened, it was the day of the. I, I used to deliver papers for the Gainesville Sun, 3 a.m. when my, I spent my third year of law school here, delivered papers for the Gainesville Sun at 3 a.m. to get some money because I needed it. I had nothing. Uh, just got married, or right before we got married, excuse me. So we went ahead and um, went ahead and called the number there and took the online test. I guess I did one of them pretty well. They called me to do a follow-up test, but not online, but on the phone. Took the phone test. Guess I did well on that. And I'll never forget, I was sitting watching the, uh, the um, Titans, the famous Titans game, the, the, uh, the Titans-Bills, um, the Music City Miracle. Remember that game? Famous NFL. Okay. So it was in the middle of that game, got a call from New York. They said, hello, you're, you've been picked to be on this show. It's in three days. What airport do you want to fly out of? And they set me all up, put me up on a hotel on the west side. Jen couldn't go because she had a uh, prior commitment with mock trial. So I brought a friend of mine from D.C. They flew him up. And we met up there, uh, gave me $120 per diem for a couple days, got to hang out in New York, taped the show, uh, did well in The Fastest Finger, which was always kind of my, what I was best at, fast stuff, uh, and had a pretty good run. I mean, it was, you know, I, I think that if I got a different, different set of questions, I could have done a little better, but I was happy with it. And uh, it was just a real neat experience just going up there. And I, for about a week, everybody in town knew who I was, which was crazy because I came here in Gainesville four months prior to that. Knew nobody. I was going to law school here. Nobody knew who I was as a third year. Uh, they just I, I basically moved here to get married. Um, 
And before you knew it, I was showing up at bars and I would get swarmed. And, not to, and it was crazy just because I was on TV. But that's how pow powerful that show was back then. And I'm not bragging or anything. It just was the way it was. I went to buy a mattress last year, and it was so crazy. I go into Sleep Number store with Jen. We're walking in there, and this guy who's selling us, he goes, I've, where have I seen you before? And again, this is 18 years after I was on the show. And again, it wasn't, I mean, it was a big deal at the time, but who cares? I, you know, it never comes up. And he looked at me, and he goes, where have I seen you? And now, now he goes, you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire 18 years later. How the? So anyway, it, it, it pops up once in a while, but it was, it was a neat experience. And it got me, you know, got a little extra money at a time when I probably needed it. So it was good. A little extra? A little extra. Well, they literally mailed you a DHL check two days later for $64,000. No taxes taken out. I took it over to the Wells Fargo, met with somebody, you know, cut a tax check. I think I paid everything correctly. I haven't had any calls since, or nasty letters in the mail, and uh, that was it. So, all right. So, wrestling fan, mm -hmm. professor, the professor mm -hmm, in high school. Mm -hmm. So, does anything does that have to do with your photographic memory? I don't really think I have one. Really? Nah. I just think it just. I just know. I I tend to recall certain things. All right, so I was going to test you, your photographic memory that you claim right. you don't have on WrestleMania. Sure. Going back to 1985. Okay. Are we still, are we yeah. still good for this? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, so Ken did not know that I was going to do this. He has not seen this list. Well, I'm sure he's seen this list on his own, but I did not show it to him. He can't see it at all right mm -hmm. now. All right, I'm just going to ask you some WrestleMania questions. Mm -hmm. All right, WrestleMania 5. Yep, Atlantic City, second one in a row in Atlantic City. Donald Trump sat ringside. Very famous main event, which was Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage. That was built up over a year. One of the greater WrestleMania main events in history. That's amazing. All right. Uh, WrestleMania 2000. WrestleMania 2000 was actually one I didn't watch at the time. The, the, the interesting thing about that, it was supposed to be Triple H versus The Rock. And through some booking decisions and injuries, they did a makeshift main event with a McMahon in every corner. We have the four McMahons, four ways. Had a very famous ladder, famous tables match between the Hardy Boys and the Dudleys. But you had the main event, uh, Triple H won with Mick Foley. Uh, who was else? Was the big show? And I think The Rock was the fourth, because Austin didn't wrestle in that one. Triple H went over, won it. Uh, it was held in Anaheim, California at the Pond. It was the third, it was the second, WrestleMania to occur at the pond uh, over a yeah, three, because 98 was at the pond in Anaheim, 99 was in Philly, or no, strike that, 97, 96 was the pond, 97 was at Allstate Arena next to O'Hare Airport in Chicago, 98 was Fleet Center, now um, the, the, the TD Garden in Boston, 99 was Philly at the First Union Center, and then 2000 was Anaheim, Triple H, only heel up to that time to win a WrestleMania main event. All right. I'm pulling just this randomly off the list. I mean, we're talking about yeah. over 30 WrestleManias here. And Ken 30, is just... 30, well, 35. Ken is just pulling all of these out of his head. All right. What is... This might be a hard one. What is the most attended WrestleMania? Most attended WrestleMania was 93,173 people at WrestleMania 3, Pontiac Silverdome. So, it actually, actually, that was eclipsed. So, this is, this is interesting because the, the 30... Two, which was in Dallas, 
or 33. 33 is in Dallas. That actually eclipsed it. I think it was 96, though. There's the problem with these these numbers is that it's kind of fudged. It's like a claim to It's claim, yeah. So I'm actually wrong there. It for forever it was 93,173, which is actually a work number. But the 33 in Dallas eclipsed that. That was not a very good WrestleMania. Roman Reigns went over Triple H. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Um all right, when was WrestleMania in Orlando, Florida? It was there twice. I was there at both of them. 24, main event, Edge loses to Undertaker. Great spot at the end. I actually left early because I wanted to get out of there because I had to drive home. Uh, and then uh, two years ago, WrestleMania 34, uh, main event was, um, uh, well, I thought the main event was Brock, uh, Brock over Goldberg, but another um, Roman Reigns over The Undertaker. Main event Undertaker. We thought it was going to be his final match. I actually took a um, whatever those things are. The uh, I, I left early again because you have to get out of there. You're so crammed and it's hot in a six-hour day. We were staying at a hotel right near there. How many of these have you been to? Been to four. I went to 27 in Atlanta, 24 in Orlando, 28 in Miami, 34 in Orlando. I was considering going this year. Um, to 36, is it 30? Yeah, 36. They stopped using the ordinal numbers. So they just call it WrestleMania, so getting the numbers is not as, it, it doesn't hit me as quickly. Um, this year, back in uh, MetLife, which is where 29 was, I was considering going, but we decided not to go. Do you dress in character to these? Um, no, actually, I don't. I dress normally. I'm not, I'm not a big t-shirt guy. I just kind of, I kind of dress up a little bit just to kind of be different. All right, I hit you with a couple more, and then we'll move on. Um, let's see here. Uh, WrestleMania 22. WrestleMania 22 was in Chicago. Main event was actually a great main event. It was Triple H versus John Cena. Uh, Cena went. Cena went over. Um, I actually had the famous Mick Foley versus uh, Edge match, where there was the spear through the flaming table. Uh, interesting fact, CM Punk was one of uh, the guys that, that uh, was part of Cena's entrance. He wasn't even in WWE at the time. Allstate Arena, right outside of O'Hare. You fly over it when you go in. How do you have all this memorized? Because I just like wrestling. I've been following it since I've been nine. I watched everything, yeah. So you don't just sit down with a list and try to memorize this? No, that's stuff to, like, this stuff's like easy. a bar trick? This stuff's easy, kind of. I, this stuff just comes natural to me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting here with yeah. a list I printed off from Wikipedia. Ken's across the room drinking I, Knob Creek, just throwing these I, stats I just out used, to me. I used to do this. I used to be really good at this stuff with presidents and with Super Bowls. Now, Super Bowls, I used to know all of them, the names and everything. Problem is, as I get – now it's like it's not as easy now, the last 10 to 15, because I can't – I'm not as focused on sports as I was when I was a kid. So I can, I can rattle off a lot of the early Super Bowls, but over the last 15 years it's harder because, again, I'm just not – it doesn't – I used to get these books. My parents would get me these big fact books. I would just devour them, read them 15 times, and just kind of learn stuff, lists and things like that. My grandfather had these old Reader's Digest almanacs at his house. So I would go up in their bedroom and just start pulling them down and reading them. They had like television ratings and all this. I loved it. Loved it. What do you think the weirdest, most obscure thing is that you have memorized? Uh, well... Again, it's it's a little different now because I don't have that sort of 
knowledge. I used to know, well, I used to know Olympic cities. Like, um, I used to try to memorize all the Summer Olympic cities. I used to memorize all the World Series winners. I could name that back to, like, 66. And, again, it gets a little harder before then. Um, I used to know, I used to memorize all the NBA champions, like sports championships. I was big into stadiums, too, locations, things like that. Uh, baseball uniforms, big thing. Uh, that That's harder now. You know, it's just, it's just more difficult. But I would do these things, like we would be at CLEs, which are like uh, – um, I used to, my, a guy I used to work with and is now a colleague of mine in town would make fun of me because we would sit there during these boring lectures for, you know, legal stuff. CLEs are basically, if you're a lawyer, you got to go to like continuing education. So I'd sit there on a yellow pad and just start writing out, okay, Oscar winners. I used to know like all best pictures, best actors. I would write a list and just start trying as a memory trick, writing down every best actor winner from this year back to, I don't know, 1975. How far can you go back right now? It's hard. It's hard. I mean, who won the Oscar last year for Best Picture? The Best Picture was Shape of Water. Before that, uh, well, Argo was three years prior. Shape of Water. Um, oh God, I'm just. I have to see. I had to order them. You have Artist, King Speech, Shape of Water, um, Argo. Since you're very active on social media, I think it's okay for me to say that you lean conservative. Yeah, I mean, I think a moderate conservative. I think ultimately, I think I'm getting more conservative now over the last few years, which is why I've tried to quiet down on social media a little bit. Um, but I feel like you're a fairly pragmatic conservative, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you're not just going to digest the talking points if no. something makes sense that might be a left-leaning policy you are open to. Well, I'm also a contrarian. I just like, I like riling shit up. Okay. I mean, I do, and I, I, I hate on social media the parroting. Like somebody, some, some celebrity will say something and then I have people that I know that will just like retreat, say, yeah, 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 like dogs. It's just, it's just, I hate that. You always question, always sit there and think of a different angle. Because I never, you know, I never, I just like having a different opinion than everybody else. What, a, what if you had this long period of conservative majority in the United States and there was just conservative parroting? Would that bother you or would you kind of? Yeah, kind of, maybe, like that maybe. I might, it might. Yeah. It might. I just, I think that it's just, you know, I think that there's, there's a book that I sent to a friend of mine this past weekend. Uh, if you ever read Chuck Klosterman, he's really good. And he's a really good um, culture writer, pop culture writer. He wrote a book called I Love the Black Hat, which basically talks about being contrarian, taking different ways. He, he writes two chapters worth of a, of, a, of a theory that we're all living in a simulation. You know. Well, we are. Well, and if you read it, it's, is it implausible? Yeah, but I mean, it, there's a modicum there that says, hey, it might make a little bit of sense. Where, I don't know, 200 years in the future, 500 years in the future, these we've, we've achieved the singularity and you have these AI senient sort of beings that have developed this game, which we are all part of. I mean, again, I, I, I doubt that's, I doubt it. I mean, I'm a religious guy. I doubt that that's actually what's happening. However... You know, it's not it's not something which is totally crazy to think about. And there are people out there. These are not flat earther types. These are real people with some you know pretty good credentials that come out there and say, yeah, there might, there's you know there's there's an argument to be made that that could be true. Especially if you look at the, the last year or so, all this sort of weird shit happening. Is there, is there a glitch? Is there a glitch of what's going on? It's just it's fun to read it. That's all. Well, speaking of the glitch, are yeah. you familiar with the Shazam conspiracy? No, what's that? So perhaps you remember this. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a movie that came out? I think maybe in the 
early 90s, late 80s, called Shazam, where Sinbad played a genie. I, I know this was a Sinbad genie movie. Was, was called, it called Shazam? Is this like the thing, the um, the Bears St. Bears thing? Yeah, but but you do remember that, right? Yes. So does everybody. But that movie never existed. Yeah, because that's the Bears St. Bears, you know yep. that, with the way it's spelled. Right. Or the thing, or the location of New Zealand. Like people, I think, everybody knows New Zealand is near Australia, but I believe the thought is that it's northwest or northeast of Australia. Or something about the location is different than where it's actually so where at. where is it actually? It's actually southeast. I've been there. So you go from Sydney and you fly southeast. It's actually also a three-and-a-half-hour flight. You assume New Zealand's abutting there. It's not. It is far away. It's almost like flying from, I don't know, from flying from New York to Vegas. So it's it's far away, and you got to fly over a bunch of ocean to get there. So, yeah, but that's interesting. So, they, so it's another name for the Shazam. There was another term for it. But, yeah, I've heard that. It's interesting. Now there is a movie coming out called Shazam. Shazam, yes. yes. Very confusing. I saw a trailer for it. And then there's a live-action Aladdin reboot. Yes. But I think it's a, they really should have casted Sinbad as the genie. Yeah, right. Well, Disney is trying to redo all their IP. So they're milking it, you know. So they'll basically, all their IP, they'll go ahead and just repurpose it as live-action. They make money on it. They're doing the same thing with Lion King. In fact, if you look at the trailer, it is a shot-for-shot reenactment of the original animated trailer. Both with James Earl Jones in the background. Well, if we're living in a simulation, yep. anything's possible. Anything's possible. Do you think we're in a race to the bottom? Could be. I don't know. I don't know, but then again, I mean, I, I keep hearing that, but I, I, I remember in 2008 driving down State Road 200 in Ocala, and it was incredible. Similar, It was similar if you drive around Butler Plaza at the same time, you know, all these shops, nothing. So everything is just shut down. But 200, 200 in Ocala when you get off the interstate driving to my office, it was it was insane. Every single store was shut down. It was just – you, you sat there and wondered, what is the value of property in this country? What is, is there any is, – is anything worth anything? You really started to wonder. It was that desolate. It was, it was like a wasteland out there. And you look at it now and you go, it's, it's booming. You look at you look at the Butler Plaza area. It's insane what's going on over there, and people are just building and building and building. So you know, I keep hearing how oh, things are terrible. I'm like, you know, I think people lose perspective. They lose perspective about you know you know how things were 30 years ago, even you know, or even 40 years ago, or having to live in the late 70s. It's it's again, people need to have a sense of history. People need to travel. And unfortunately, it's, you know, it's not cheap to travel, but it's, it's you know, you can, you, it, it's one of the problems here is people don't realize everything you have over here and how great it is. And I love going to Europe. I love traveling and seeing and meeting other people. But people think we have big problems here. Go to Europe. Talk to the people out there. Talk to the fact that they don't really have any strong political, you know, traditions of, they don't have a strong political tradition over there over the last 50 years. Like, like a country like Italy it's a mess um look what's going on in england the uk scotland threatening to go independent you have brexit it's a mess and they have massive infrastructure issues over there um so it's it's a again i think people lose the sense of history lose the sense of how yes could things be better but they could always be better there's always gonna be problems and one of the problems, too, is now we're so aware of the problems in the world. We're so aware 
of the fact that the human condition on its own is pretty damn bad. It can be terrible because of social media, because of, you know, hundreds of cable channels, because of hundreds of just journalistic sites where you see everything, you see all this bad stuff. Stuff's always been there. It's always been terrible. And it's frankly, it's less terrible than it ever has. You know, you have vaccines, everything like that. So point is, is that I don't think things are as bad as people make them out to be. If that makes any sense. Well, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Now, you're a conservative. I did, yeah. min- I did notice that you didn't mention a group of countries in your uh, yeah. list of bad countries in Europe. Um, I understand that despite being a conservative, you're a huge fan of Nordic socialism. Of course. Yes. Just like uh, AOC. Bernie, you know. So you are a fan of Nordic no, socialism? I'm not. Okay. Because again, the problem there, and, and it, you have that in New Zealand. In New Zealand, if you go there, they're a socialist paradise there. But you know, the thing is, is yes, can you achieve some sense of some sense of standard of living for everybody in that type of country? Yes, I mean everybody in New Zealand is, you know, there. You have a, a decent standard of living. However, and you see this also in Australia, that the ability to rise, it's just not there. I mean, yes, there will be a few that will, you know, and generally they're transplants from other countries that will be ultra originals or successful. But if you're living there in that type of system, the ability to go and bring yourself up to, frankly, become rich or even to go and, you know, rise up from a middle class structure, it's so much more difficult. It's that way in England. There's a, there's a, um, there's a, a documentary series called Seven Up, which follows a group of kids from 1964. And they film it every seven years. And you follow these kids up until the next one's coming out in a few months. And you see, and the whole idea is a show about class structure in England and how people, you know, don't really, can they rise up from their, from what, what they were put in at birth. And what you learn is they really don't. I mean, essentially in England, you know within about two years of birth kind of where you're headed. Are you going to be a cab driver? Are you going to be a laborer? Are you going to be a barrister? Are you going to be some member of, uh, you know, Bill? It's it's very set there, and which is a major difference from here. Here, yes, people will sit there and complain that, you know, there is no social mobility. Compared to everywhere else, that's not true, especially compared to socialist countries. Because, again, it's it's one of those where it's, that's again, something that people don't understand here is that the ability to go and rise yourself from, from nothing is amazing. I mean, look at even like Bill Clinton, guys like that. Bill Clinton grew up in poverty in, in Arkansas. Even Barack Obama, yes, he had a little bit of a, you know, some academics in his family, but still, these are guys that came out of nowhere and rise and become president of the United States. It's amazing. I mean, only in America. Same with Donald Trump to an extent. I mean, this is a guy that basically was a blowhard out of New York, was kind of a media star. Granted, no political experience, was able basically through his power of manipulating the media and using that, using Fox News and using all these, using his personality to become president. It's incredible. Um, only in this country can you do something like that. So. Do you think that is going away, or do you think it's still strong in America? I th- well, I, I do get concerned about inequality, income inequality right now, because there is concern about the lack of a middle class. I, I see that. Um, you know, right now, you don't have, you know, with, you don't have, say, retail jobs. Um, those jobs are now going to 
Amazon warehouses. We get opened up a Chewy's warehouse in Ocala. Kind of the same thing. And those places are brutal. I mean, they're they're rough places to work. And you're making $14, $15 an hour. It's, or if that. And it's, uh, so you, it's hard to rise right now. It's harder than ever, I think, to be, to have a solid middle-class existence in this country. I see that. I think it's, you know, again, there's issues as far as breakdown of the family. There's issues as far as just lesser of those type of jobs, like middle management type work, that sort of stuff that you would see 20 years ago, 30 years ago, with the breakdown of big corporations like Sears and whatnot, that um, that make that less possible. So I agree with you, and that is a concerning thing, that there is this, this shrinking middle class. I think that's clear if you look at the statistics. I don't know, do you agree with that, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it seems like yeah. there's a, a consolidation at the top, and then right. that whole the, the middle fat, if you will, is is cut out. Right, right, right. The middle's expensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Bernie and AOC are big yeah. fans of the Nordic model. Yeah. Let me read you some uh, statistics, mm-hmm. and tell me if these sound more progressive or right. more conservative to you. And these are from the Nordic countries. Private companies running public institutions, mm-hmm. universal system of school vouchers, mm-hmm. corporate tax rate is at 22%. Mm-hmm. And just for comparison, until the recent recent tax cuts, USA was at 35% corporate right. tax rate. All the Nordic countries have some form of mandatory military service. Right. Sweden specifically has cut, cut spending as a percent of GDP from 67% down to 49%. And this was a few years ago, so it might even be lower than that mm-hmm. now. Sweden has cut the top marginal tax rate by 27% since 1983. Wow. Sweden has replaced a defined benefit pension system to a defined contribution system mm-hmm. and fanatically strict immigration laws. Well, that sounds like a Donald Trump. Uh, sounds very Trumpian. A lot of it. Lower corporate tax rates. So that is what you are you are putting forward. That that is the specific. Those are the items on a AOC agenda, which parrot what we see in Scandinavian countries, essentially. I feel like people look at the benef- uh, the social benefits in Scandinavian countries, and they ignore how they got there. I feel like the Scandinavian countries got to the future first. They they were heavy tax and spend countries in the 80s. Yeah. And then in the early 90s, they had their big debt crisis, Mm -hmm. and they've had to dig their way out of it. Yeah, well, Iceland hit that because Iceland got near – it was near bankruptcy, I think, two years ago, right, or two or three years ago. And I don't know how they're doing now. But I didn't realize that they were having this sort of debt crisis back then. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they reached the future first, you know, high – ultra-high debt levels – Mm-hmm. They've reached, you know, they've reached the limits of big government. Right, right. And you know, now we're getting, you know, theories like modern monetary theory that kind of allude that they're that you know debt doesn't matter as much as we thought it did. And I just feel like that's a, a dangerous road to go down. And I feel like that's yeah. a road that Scandinavia already went down. Right. And they they reached the limit of big government. I mean, nobody knows what that limit is. It's probably different country to country. But they figured out what it was for their countries, and they've had to roll that back quite a bit in order to be successful and keep their welfare state. Well, don't you think that the, the month-long government shutdown of this country is illustrative of the 
problems with big government here. I mean, the fact that you have the shutdown and people are reacting in a certain way. Obviously, the federal workers that are not getting paid are not happy about it. And the national parks are going, you know, they're, they're, trash is building up the parks and the toilets are overflowing. And, yeah, there's bad TSA lines, allegedly. I haven't been there since this happened. But then you look at, like, the rank and file that sit there, people that aren't going on flights and people that are just, you know, again, the Trump-type voters, lower class, people like that. And they look at it and like, eh, you know, I'm not, it doesn't affect me, right? I mean, and so you're, again, I think what this shows is that, and I think that's what Trump's, I think Trump's in behind the scenes is taking that position that, you know, he feels that there is a lot of waste in the federal government, in the point of why are all these people, why are there 800,000 people working in the federal government? And have we hit that limit? Is it, you know, is it something, is this showing that, yeah, I mean, the government's going to open again, but is it showing that, do we need all these people working there? Is it, is the government too big? And is this a way to show that we've hit that limit? I don't know. I, I think, I frankly, I'm a federalist. I believe in strong states' rights. I think that states should have increased autonomy you know, especially nowadays, um, you know, because I, I guess, you know, we're, we're a huge country and the federal government cannot possibly, you know, oversee 50 states like it did when it was formed. But the United States tax code was a few pages, literally, and there were 13 colonies. Um, and now it's, it's just, I, I would like to see a breakdown in big federal government because I think right now it's just, it's absurd. Well, you mentioned state rights. What's interesting is, you know, if you combine Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and Norway, you you have a population that's smaller than Texas. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, Norway is approximately the size of South Carolina. I mean, it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see if you did want to adopt this Nordic model in the United States to adopt it in one state that's the size of a Nordic country, right? Right. And see how it goes. Use it as an incubator of sorts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I vote for well. Use Idaho. Idaho's big, big land, a lot of land, but probably a similar type of population. Um, yeah, that's a that's that's quite an idea. What 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 state would go for that though? Oh, yeah. I'm really at just population. Um, yeah. You know, like Wisconsin would be the appropriate size of a Nordic state. Yeah. And, well, if you wanted to, Nordic population. If, well, actually, if you wanted to emulate, you know, Norway, you would look at somewhere like Alaska that has huge oil reserves. Yep. I mean, yeah. you have the sovereign wealth fund in Norway that's fueled by their oil and gas reserves, which is over a trillion dollars, mm-hmm. which ends up breaking down to about you know, two hundred grand per person. Mm-hmm. I was reading something about Norway the other day that was um, they were talking about. Oh no, it was in the movie I saw last night, and uh, they were talking about how in Norway that. The reason that you don't have as many married couples there are basically because of the tax laws and because of the fact that initially they eliminated at some point all, uh, I guess, uh, benefits from a tax perspective for being married. I believe even if you are married, they're taxed individually, aren't they? It's something like that. But then, And then what happened was people tried to get around it. By, by basically getting divorced, but then they extended those those lack of tax protections also. You know, basically if you were divorced and you were still living together, you still were considered married. And basically it got to the point over there where people just basically just didn't even consider getting getting married because, you know, the it was it was not beneficial from a tax perspective. People assume because they're not very religious over there or not that which is partially true, but 
It's also because of tax policy. The idea being that tax policy seems to control national culture. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if people think that far ahead. Maybe yeah. maybe in Norway they do, but I'm not sure if here they do. Uh, yeah, I mean Norway. I mean they also the Nordic countries they have fanatically transparent governments. You know, so that is something we definitely don't have here. There's a lot of trust. Well, we do I mean, in Florida. I mean, Florida. I, I, one thing about Florida I really like living down here is you have the sunshine laws, and I think you know we balance our budget here. Unlike California, which I, I think is, I think Florida is actually a very, very well run state compared to most states in the union. So would you say Florida is more closer to the Nordic model than California? Uh, I don't think all the state, well, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't, I think I would assume Florida is a better run state than New York. I mean, you know. I mean, we're talking about balancing budgets, potentially. True. I mean, we balance budget here. I mean, you know, it's not always pretty. I mean, and. Teachers here get screwed. They get paid. They don't get paid enough. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, and there are drawbacks to that. There are no unions down here. But then again, I talk to people, clients that lived up north. And, you know, we always sit there and say, oh, you know, the reason that the laws here, at least in workers' comp cases, are are against you is because of the lack of unions. And to a man, most people that live down here always say, that's fine. That's the reason I moved out of there because they couldn't stand the union issues couldn't have to steal to stand dealing with that. They wanted more of the worker freedom. But when you get that, you get laws in this state that are more employer friendly, just the way it is. Um, and it's also, you know, you have there's there's no state income tax, but again, there are problems with that too. You have to give, you know, and it's 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 one of the things. But ultimately though, if you live in this state, you know, yes, there's problems with hurricanes, the weather can get too hot sometimes, but ultimately, you know, I can't think of a better state to live in, in my opinion. WrestleMania 7? That was the L.A. Sports Arena. Hulk Hogan versus Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter. It was originally supposed to be in the L.A. Coliseum, and they didn't sell enough tickets. They used an excuse stating that there was a security threat for them to run it because of the Gulf War. The L.A. Coliseum, they had to move it to a smaller facility. Sound good. You got all your WrestleMania questions out? Yeah, I mean, we can throw another one in there. WrestleMania 31, <laughs> what do you got? Okay, WrestleMania 31 was held at the um, was held at um, what's it called? It's San Jose, it's the state, the stadium there, um, San Francisco, it, Bay Area. It was in Bay Area. Main event was um, actually it was an awesome main event. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins came in, cashed his money in the bank. Um, it was held outdoors. So it was it was held outdoors at the 49er Stadium. It was done basically all in daylight. It was probably the one WrestleMania, which other than the one in Vegas, where everything was in pure daylight, which kind of took a little bit out of it. I liked it. It was cool. So what is it about wrestling that that you like? Because it it represents, it is a microcosm of society. I mean. Elaborate. What what do you think? What do you, how do you think? Donald Trump's a wrestling character. Look at him. He is a wrestler. He's a troll. He is a. He is a heel. He's an amazing heel. I mean, he cuts promos. He sits there and he talks. I mean, he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, he he embodies that sort of style. That's how he became president, by just cutting these promos and just sitting there and playing this role and encouraging this sort of crowd reaction 
and bring. I mean, he, he was amazing, and that's and that's that's it's it's our society today. Do you think Donald Trump is Donald Trump, or do you think he's a character? Uh, I think it's half and half because he's remarkably consistent. I read his I read Art of the Deal when I was twelve years old. I was obsessed with Trump when I, when I was a, a, a young teenager. I, I, he, to me, I remember we, we went up to New York. I wanted to see Trump Tower, um, just because he to me was it was awesome. I mean, he's like you know he was this guy that again his character I just was fascinated by as a kid. Um, and they're walking past Trump Tower, just being oh my god, it's the most beautiful building. We didn't go inside, uh, and you know he. I mean, again, he's he is he's remarkably consistent. So he is who he is. If you if you read about him, you read how he's handling the shutdown. It's no different than he handles his business. You know, it's it's all about winning, and and he will do the actual substantive result. Doesn't matter. It's just about claiming a win. I was just about to ask you. That. Do you think it's more transactional, or yeah, do you yeah. think do you he's think all he, transactional? He has think no he, friends. Yeah. Do you think he cares what the end result is, or does he just no, want the win? He wants. Listen, if he gets one billion dollars for this wall, okay. He will claim it as a win. Look what I got. Chalk it up. That's all he cares. That's all he cares about. Everything is transactional with him. Look at the way he treats. He has no friends. He really doesn't. The only people that I think he really trusts are Jared and Ivanka. That's it. I don't even know about Melania. I guess I, you know Melania is there, and you know she's you know she's his wife. But you know, I think they almost have a transaction. Oh, and you said you love Donald Trump. You're talking about more from the character standpoint. When I was a kid, I did. Yeah, I loved Donald Trump as a kid. I mean, now I don't. But now I, as I said, I, okay. I, I, I thought did. we should clarify that for yeah, you know yeah, the yeah. pitchfork showed up in no. your office. No, no. But I mean, I don't think people realize. I mean, assuming this country survives, which I'm sure it will. Okay, people are gonna not gonna really, you know, let's say Kamala Harris becomes the next president. Okay, or Christian Gillibrand or whomever. Beto. Okay, people are not going to realize, you know, it's going to be a great, it, it, the hangover. Because, you know, it, it, you have to say, it's not, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying it, it's, it's kind of fun every day to watch all this stuff. Now, if we were in a horrible recession, that's one thing. But, you know, watching the news every day, it is, it is kind of entertaining. And people derive, I mean, the news media is, I mean, look at MSNBC, look at the ratings they get off for him. I mean, these, these, these companies are flourishing under this. Well, hasn't uh, I remember reading something like Twitter? I mean, Twitter—you know—they're doing doing pretty well now as a company, but you know, previously they're struggling. And somebody actually uh, calculated the essentially the net worth of Twitter that is attributed to Donald Trump. And it was a considerable yeah. amount. Does Twitter have really have any worth? I mean, you know, I don't know how much they're generating off of ads, but I guess the, what Twitter has is its data, right? I mean, that's where the money is with Twitter. The value. I was reading about Netflix the other day, and um, I mean, you talk about a company with which is, you know, really. I mean, they're in, apparently in hock for the amount of money that they're borrowing is insane, right? Their debt load. Oh yeah, I mean they they're burning cash like crazy. I mean, I watch. I love their show. I've been watching The Crown, which is one of the better shows I've ever seen. But the, the production on these shows is incredible, and I'm like, where are they getting the money for this stuff? And this is just one show. They have what 50, 60 shows original series in production, not to count all the other stuff they have planned. They're paying money for these like pretty decent Hollywood movies like Bird Box, stuff like that. Those things aren't cheap. 
And if you have a subscriber base paying 10 bucks a month, okay, maybe it's 12 bucks a month. Yes, they got what, 58 million subscribers. That's still, I mean, the amount of cash that they need to keep that thing going is incredible. I just, you know. Yeah, they're definitely not cash positive. I don't, yeah. uh, the party has to end at some point, either with them becoming profitable or them going bust. Well, it's like Movie Pass. I mean, everybody gave Movie Pass. I don't know if you've read about that. Yeah, yeah okay. So, Movie Pass. It's kind of the same model. Yeah, they weren't really doing anything wildly different than Netflix in terms of cash burn, but yeah. for some reason people treated them differently than Netflix. That's what I was going to say. I made a, I made a comment to that to a friend the other day, and I'm like, it's not that different. But Movie Pass got shit on like this, you know. And grant Movie Pass, it it does it did seem a little too good to be true the way it's set up. I mean, I highly considered getting it, but it just, you know. If you look at the numbers, it doesn't. It just didn't seem to work out in my mind. But then Netflix does the same thing, so yeah. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, and you have somebody like Disney that owns their own content, tons of content. Yeah, ESPN, and if they came forward with a alternative to Netflix, it'd be interesting to see what happened. Well, what's the irony is is that you know everybody sits there and raves about streaming services and how you can pick and choose. But ultimately, we're just going back. It's essentially in five to ten years, just going to be like cable television again. Oh yeah, we're you just know? reassembling cable in a different. And I'm over the top now. I mean, I don't have cable. I got rid of all of it. We have Hulu, but now I'm still paying. I pay for Hulu. I pay for Hulu Live TV. Pay for Netflix. I pay for an internet. I have to pay for a decent internet connection. Still through Cox. I have to pay for you know a WWE network. I mean, these stuff all pop, but. It all starts adding up. You don't realize it. Oh, yeah. And then sooner or later, you're back at your, you know, Amazon $200 Prime. a month. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Where was WrestleMania in 2009? Uh, that was WrestleMania 26. It was in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Or that was Phoenix, Arizona. It was in Glendale. Oh, gotcha. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It was in Houston. You're right. Yeah, okay. It was in Houston. WrestleMania 25th anniversary. Yeah, Glendale was the next year. Most famous match ever in WrestleMania history. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. What uh, who's who's been in the most finals? Uh, main, main events. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think at this point it's Triple H. I don't know. I don't have that statistic. Yeah, I think I'll it's Triple H because he's been a lot. Yeah, I mean, because guys like The Rock and Steve Austin were only they were not in in WWE for what as long. What about Hulk Hogan? He's been a lot. Yeah, I mean, main event number one with Mr. T, number two, Bundy, three, Andre. Four, he was not. Um, that was Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase, so he was in five. So five, one, two, three, WrestleMania five, six versus the Ultimate Warrior, seven versus Sergeant Slaughter, uh, eight versus Sid. That's eh, arguable whether that's you know a WrestleMania event because it really wasn't. Uh, it was on the list, so we'll okay. go with it. Yeah, and then eight with WrestleMania nine. Where were we? Yeah, eight versus Sid, nine versus Yokozuna. Well, yeah, nine he he showed he he wrestled uh, with Beefcake in a tag and then wrestled. He came in at the end and once so that counts. So yeah, I mean, you know it's probably Hulk Hogan. Ten ten he was not in and he was out for several years and he came back in WrestleMania twenty or excuse me WrestleMania eighteen in Toronto against The Rock. Very famous match. Ken, thanks for coming on the show.